Hey, listeners, if you're a fan of the show and you'd like to help us grow, please donate via Patreon on our website at failforwardpod.com. A huge thanks to this week's patron, Shelby. What is a failure? Because to me, there's not enough information. At this moment in time, it looks like a failure, but that's because I have a different expectation than what's in front of me. It doesn't match the reality. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. And a blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Denny. Tato, I'm so excited that you're here today. Listeners, Denny is the founder and CEO of Corporate Consciousness. Denny, welcome. Thank you. Happy uh, to be here. Tell us what corporate consciousness means or what's the business model? Um, so corporate consciousness uh, is a coaching and training company. Yes. Um, and we help corporations and their leaders to be more conscious. To me, conscious is a higher level of emotional intelligence. Um, I believe that leaders need to start leading with EQ as opposed to IQ, yeah. where they really um, invest in their employees emotionally and inspire them. Um, and I think that that um, helps create empathy, interdependence. It's very healthy, uh, self-awareness, other awareness, all of those things. So um, I focus solely on the soft skills, okay, the relationships. And... So I want to know how you got into that, but let's rewind a little bit. Okay. Tell us where you grew up, okay. where you're from. Give us a little bit of family history. Okay. So I grew up in Cincinnati in Mount Carmel. We know, I didn't know that. Oh, honey. Yeah. Right, right very close <laughs> to the Escape Mall. Okay. You know, it's lovely there now. Imagine what it was like 50 years ago. <laughs> uh, yes, I am a middle child of 11 children. I knew it was a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a guess. Catholic? Oh, absolutely. Right. right. Absolutely. Um, right in the middle. Um, and it was unusual. My uh, my father had been married and he had three children and his wife had died and my mother had been married and had two children. Um, and they met, you know, and got married right away uh, and had me on down. Okay. So it was kind of an interesting uh, childhood and that we were kind of far removed and you know there weren't a lot of people that had mixed families then oh and um, was your mom was your mom's first husband deceased or divorced divorced so which was even was more different right, right absolutely so she um was working and back then you had you know you paid people for to you know for your kids to like stay with a nice old couple and then you'd come and visit them because you worked all the time all of that um and so there wasn't a ton of support for them to figure yeah. all of this out. And, um, you know, I've been a, I am still a stepmother and know how difficult all of that is. So when I think of what was on their plate and then they had, um, you know, another five after me in very quick succession. Um, so it's kind of interesting. And I think we all had our own ways of, you know, um, interacting and coping and dealing um, with all of that, but had really wonderful parents. My father was gone all the time. Uh, he owned his own business. Okay. So always traveling, and mom just, you know, cooked and cleaned, and 
I mean, all of those basic things. So, um, yeah. And I think my kind of strategy for all that was I just always lived kind of what's next. Like I just lived in my little made-up world of reading and stories and TV shows and just constantly thought about, oh, this big life yeah. that I'm going to have. Um, even though I was always happy, I loved our life. Yeah. Um, all of my focus was always on future. All the things I was going to do. Um, like I said, I'd watch TV shows if you'd see uh, Marlo Thomas and that girl, and then I'd say, I think I'm going to go cut some bangs. I think <laughs> I think I'm going to be like her. And then I saw Mary Tyler Moore, and no, now I think I'm going to be like her. Uh, um, and just created this big life in my mind. Um, so it's kind of interesting. And I think it was kind of a coping strategy. So Denny is an expert in the Enneagram. And if you aren't familiar with the Enneagram, I'll have her website um, listed on the episode in the notes and in social media. Go and check out the Enneagram. Um, so the reason why I'm bringing up the Enneagram is because we have the same Enneagram we number, do. We seven. We are both type sevens. Yes. And when you were talking about future, like, you know, dreaming, do you think that that was, you were born with that? You think that was um, because of your upbringing? What? So, because um, I am a future thinker. Absolutely, too. we're very, very similar in in the ways in what we believe and what we value. How we express that is a bit different. Yeah, but um, it's really those core beliefs um, about the world and all of those things. Um, so it's a combination of nature and nurture. Mm -hmm. uh, the more we know about the mind sciences, we know it is more nature. Um, you are, it's, um, uh, it's your temperament. Yeah. It's almost like what God sent you here with. Yeah. And that is then combined with who and what you experienced in the first seven years. Takes about seven years for those to align. Okay. Um, and by about age seven, you have a dominant type that doesn't change uh, over your lifetime. So can you type people as early as seven, eight? You would you... not want to type anybody until they're about 13. Okay. okay. Um, you will see, as you know, the Enneagram, you can, you can kind of start spotting patterns. But what makes it really hard, um, the, what differentiates the Enneagram from any other typology, Myers-Briggs, Discs, Strength Finders, Berkman, all of this, um, those uh, primarily are focused on behavior. They're psychological tools that they're measuring when you take the assessment. So somebody takes the assessment, it's like, oh, Sarah, you know, ENTJ. If, if Sarah comes to work for you, this is how you can expect her, you know, to behave and interact. Helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but your Enneagram type is not in any way determined by your observable behavior. Instead, it's completely driven by your hidden motivation. So I'm not interested in what you do. I only care why you do it. And the reason that's important is I do not believe that you will make a long-term sustainable change in a behavior by focusing on the behavior. You have to focus on the motivation. You have Yes. Think of it this way. Your perceptions create your beliefs and your values. Yes. Your beliefs create your thoughts and your feelings. Your thoughts create the behavior. Other typologies tell you to focus on... Stop doing it. Right. Focus on the behavior. Yeah. Right? I think you have a negative consequence to a behavior. For a short period of time, it's better. Yes. Until you're right back to where you started. 
I believe your behavior is a manifestation of your beliefs, your values, your perceptions. If you want to change that behavior, if you want to do more of something or less of something, any of those things, you have to understand the motivation behind it. And you have to be curious about that and non-judgmental and accepting. Um, Basically, what it comes down to, it it answers a question uh, like Simon Sinek's work, start with a why. Yes. I don't think you can change something that you don't understand. There's no problem that you can change if you don't understand it. And when you understand it, it's like, oh, my gosh, look at this. It's right here. And, yes, I'm doing it again. Yeah. I'm feeling it again. And you know why that is because of that pattern. So, Denny, what got you interested in the Enneagram? What was your path to that? Well, I was uh, running a very successful business that I had um, started with my uh, husband at the time um, in 1986. Um, It was a commercial furniture dealership called Contract Interiors. It's alive and well on the corner of 7th and Broadway, now called RJE Interiors. It's a wonderful company. Um, And that had been kind of my life for 20-something years. Um, And... I, at that point, um, when I was doing all that, I was a really a big fish in a really little pond to okay. be a female entrepreneur, business owner. Yeah. Um, and I was mentoring a lot of first-year women entrepreneurs. Um, I'd set up even a, a kind of like after the Vistage model of my own little group that we yeah. worked with, you know, monthly and all of that. Um, and actually, I found my, my first Enneagram presentation was in a CEO roundtable from the chamber. And actually, it was not a great presentation. You know, the videos were the slide, they were like 1960s kind of stuff. But I will say, um, it just spoke to me in a very different way. I know I'm an ENTJ. I know I'm a high D, high IS. I know all of that. And I look and say, well, hell, that sounds just like me. And then I put it in the drawer. And this kind of just spoke to me very differently. Um, And I was like, hmm, fear, that is crazy. I'm not afraid of anything. I've got to, I can prove to you that I'm afraid of nothing. Yeah. Wow. Maybe I'm afraid of everything and I have a different reaction to fear, which is a total repression. Mm-hmm. And maybe all of this happy, happy, happy right. is a coping is a strategy yes. so that because I have an intolerance of the dark side, I have an intolerance of things not being okay and me not being okay. It's kind of my job to be okay. Right. I have to be show up. I'm always happy. I'm all, wow. So it. Re- I was very, very curious um, in that respect. And was that your role in the family growing up? Um, you know, there were so many of us, and there was so little, like attention. Yeah. Or any. It, it was just kind of getting because through the day. Was, like I feel like I. That didn't, was my yeah. role for sure in the family. So I don't. I never. I almost feel like I wasn't significant enough to have a role, if that makes sense. Yeah. If I had one, that's what they could always count on me for, to not make a big deal, to try, you know, wanting people to like me and to be happy and to want to be included and participate. And it was always the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really don't have, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think it was a big piece of it. Um, But... Uh, oh, so it was right. at the presentation. So I just, I just said, God, that would help me so much, because I was spending a lot of time mentoring, like I said, these first-year women entrepreneurs that want to leave their job and do this. And I thought, God, if I could get a way to understand them faster, because yeah. <laughs> I'm also very impatient, right? <laughs> so I was yeah. like, get to the good stuff. What do I need to know? <laughs> right. Um, 
so I thought, I think I'm going to go learn this. But I thought, I, I want to be an Enneagram teacher. But really, it was just for my own fun. I was never going to give up this job. I mean, this, this was a big job. Right. Made a lot of money. I mean, all, this was my life. And it was, yeah. I was t- my total, I was totally identified with my job. Okay. This, this is me. Um, from with my job as, as the um, owner of the of contract interiors, um, so I I went and became a teacher. So I went through a you know a two year certification teacher or a process to be a a teacher and a coach. And but I said it was all kind of for fun. Um, and what happened is in that two or three year period, I just knew myself so well in a way I had never known myself. I knew what I was good at and not good at. Yeah. Um, and what fed my soul and what didn't. So one of the things that happened is um, when the recession hit. So I remember in like December thirteenth, two thousand eight, I was woman-owned business of the year at the chambers, you know, event. Right. And I think it was probably about February thirteenth where I am. What the hell just happened with the recession? And I had, um, the way I was running the business, even though it was a, a big business, it was boutique in terms of the fact that I only, we only called on clients that I wanted to work with, yeah. like very, very high profile um, clients um, that, you know, wanted it just very aesthetically pleasing um, oriented and okay. big fidelity investment or Macy's or, you know, any, I mean, any of those, you um, see, did everything you see for the you know, DAP and all of that. So I didn't do healthcare. I didn't do uh, um, government. Mm. You know, so I, right <clears throat> those so segments that really were really necessary absolutely. that were recession proof. So I'm like, wow. And in 2003, I um, we used to do all parts of the business. I had 25 um, installers and warehouse and all that. I stopped doing all that in 2003 and moved to this really cool space downtown because I'm like, oh, let's focus on our our core competency, which is selling, right? right, and service, all of those kind of things. So I was outsourcing that. So now, hence this wild, I'm like, this, I'm going to be dead before anybody needs furniture for a while. <laughs> Certainly my clients. Um, and almost immediately, and I had been looking for the last year because what happened in that period of time, um, what I did became a commodity. Okay. The furniture became a commodity. When I started... There was nothing, and and Noel, which is the the product we um, we represented, they were bringing in what was the most expensive systems furniture product that had been on the market. Great, there's nothing here. There's no representation. This is great for me, right? Right. This is what I do well. Yeah. So go out and build the business. Now this had turned in. I mean, the furniture was a commodity. Um, it was hard to different for me to differentiate the difference. Right. And it all came down to price and who was going to give the big discount. Do you know how boring that is for me? Totally boring. And it requires like robbing Peter to pay Paul nothing I'm good at. Yeah. Right? If you got it, spend it. <laughs> Not of one. So anyway, I just remember sitting in my office and I had looked at other ways to things to do with the business <clears throat> because it wasn't it wasn't going to be sustainable. Yes. Um in that kind of form and everybody's doing stuff. Um and I thought, you know what? I, I kind of suck at my job now. I'm like, <laughs> my job's 20, it's totally different than it was 20 something right. years ago. It's, it requires a completely different okay, skill set. Okay, so when you, when you were able to look at that, mm-hmm. were you looking at that in a place of, woe is me, or was it in a, this isn't working anymore, I need to move? Oh, uh, like totally, this is transformational, great information. I can't keep doing this. Yeah. 
Um, and I actually um, picked up the phone. Go on. Uh, sorry, no. I just want to take a pause here okay. because I think for some people it's easier to get to that place faster. Absolutely. And for others, it's it will take a lot longer. So in the Enneagram world, you want to give some examples of where it might take it might take a different amount of time. Well, a lot would be different, and there's a, and there's nine different styles. But for me, um, it's what's next and what's new, and it's avoiding kind of the, like I said, the strategies to avoid the dark side. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I had not been as engaged. I had a great company and great people that work for me that are still working for me. My brothers still run the place, um, <clears throat> but it was I knew myself well enough, and I know I am not using my gifts. This is not my native genius okay. to be in this position making these choices this is not so it was not good for me but but that big wake up um and i'm like i i and by then like i said i had found this thing that i loved so much yeah and had really transformed my life right it changed so many parts of my life and i'm thinking so i i remember i picked up the phone and called his name is actually denny uh denny sponsor who owned the very similar dealership in indy same values known him for 20 years great guy man of integrity and like I said, we ran our businesses the same way. Right. And I said, you know, Danny, here's the deal. I said, I think I'm going to sell my dealership. And here's the number. It's non-negotiable. It's because I, I knew there yes. was going to be a very short window. And then everything was good, which is exactly what happened. Um, and I said, it's non-negotiable. It's just going to go to pay debt. Um, if you're interested, let's talk. And he came down, and I think it was within a week. What? I packed up my bag and had a contract for him to start. Yeah. Um, and I remember coming home and telling my husband, <laughs> I said, I think I sold the business today. <laughs> wow. Um, and I, I didn't know how I felt about that. Cause you know, we all make up stories about our relationships and what people value. And I thought this was going to be like a uh, big deal. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I am afraid. Um, I said, there's a lot on the line. I don't know how this is all going to work out. Or even for me moving forward, and I said, I think we could lose all of this, you know, and we had a a gorgeous house in, you know, East Walnut Hills and all of this, and, you know, we have five kids between us and kids in college and all kinds of stuff. And I said, I'm I'm a little afraid we're going to be in a a trailer by the river. (laughs) And he said, then we'll be in a trailer by the river. Um, And... That was it. And I, he never questioned anything. You know, I said, I'm going to get right on this. I'm going to figure it. And he said, you know, whatever. Take your time. You've worked. So anyway, that was really quite lovely. Um, um, what uh, Enneagram style is type is Tom? Six. Okay. So he's a complete opposite of me. Completely fear-based, um, doubting, questioning, worst case scenario thinker. Yeah. All of those things. Yeah. So you guys are a good balance. We're a very good balance. And they're, they, they're very, very opposite okay um of each other to me he sorts information from the negative i sort it from the positive one isn't better or worse (laughs) reality would be good right right (laughs) that's what we strive for right now that we know these things but um and that was it and then i uh just said i'm going to devote myself to creating this uh, this new business um and taking all that i knew from business um, which was a lot, actually. And I was going to bring this tool, which really is at this point, well, really at this point, it's not there. I don't know a lot of people that do what I do to the degree yeah, that I do in I the agree. corporate world. I mean, it's um, 
It's also, it's got a, a, it's a word I wouldn't use in the corporate world, but it's, a, it's really a spiritual tool as well as a psychological, emotional, relational system. Um, so it's in a lot of other places, um, but it's just incredibly amazing. And it has really been like falling off a log because it is so actionable. Um, it is so transformational. And when I bring it to one person or one team, they are actually, their use of it, they are enhanced um, when other people know it. And it yeah. becomes kind of a common language and just kind of foundational to how they understand themselves and how they understand the other. So it's just been the best thing that's ever happened to me. So people looking out would say, uh, um, what, my God, Denny hasn't had any failures. Oh, and, my God. And, and you know, I get this from yeah. people a lot oh because our, like, I can frame it up like it wasn't a failure and it wasn't a big deal. Um, and so on the outside, it looks like, oh, everything's great. So you want to share something with listeners that would be impactful or helpful for them. And what did you? What was your greatest learning from it? I really feel like um, I really, I'm good at evaluating experiences. You know, experience on its own doesn't really help us. What we know is um, success breeds more success and failure breeds more failure. We know that. Um, I think an evaluated experience where you're really looking and digging and learning is a, is a different story. Um, so I've had more than I could count. Um, I would say one, my as, as I had referenced, I wanted I wanted to go live my life, and I had this whole imagined idea of how wonderful this was going to be. Um, and when I was still in high school at 18, um, I met a man who was he's almost 20 years older than me. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I said 20. It's 10. Ooh, oh, that's all right. We'll go that. with 20. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost 10. Um, 10, okay. Uh, and a long story short, and he's just a wonderful man. He really, truly is. But very, it's everything that I thought I wanted. Yeah. C culture, all these places I wanted to go, to the symphony and museums and all, I mean, all of this big world I wanted to explore. Um, and he had already explored that. Very well educated, a great job. Um, and he fell in love with me and vice versa. I got married when I was 19, just right out of high school. Right out of high school. Right. And I told my parents, bye, see ya. They're like, wow, really? You think this is a good idea? Oh, it's a great idea. <laughs> um, um, and I had a, I had a child the next year. Um, and 14 months later had another one. Um, but what happened in that period is, um, he decided that eh, this wasn't really what he wanted to be married and to, and to have the two kids. Um, so even with the second one, yeah, um, I I think I gained eleven pounds in the whole. It was incredibly oh stressful. God. I could see him just kind of he just wasn't engaged. Yeah, and I was afraid to death, not knowing that's what it was. So anyway, long story short, and then he was um, actually born premature um, through some mistakes, um, and it was bad. So I'm yeah. 21 years old. <laughs> I've got two children. I really have no husband. Right. Um, and nothing. So that was a huge, wow, um, a wake up um, to saying, wow, how did I find myself here? And it was really through the things that I know about myself. Oh, this is going to be wonderful. And not seeing, you know, when Oprah, uh, Maya Angelou says, you know, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. Right. And I didn't because I lived in the dream. Um, so that was really, really, really hard and took a lot of kind of to, to dig out from there. But the lesson is I knew 
immediately this was I was never going to find myself in this situation again. Mm-hmm. I would never be in a relationship with someone that that I was not the priority. Yes. Or my children. That's it. It's non-negotiable. I'll, and it's all, you know, it's all trade-offs. Right. But that's right. nothing I will ever trade again. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is I would never be financially dependent on anyone uh, except me. Um, and that has played out very well for me. Yeah, it has. Um, and then, like I said, really, uh, the another major failure. I mean, you would say, I, you know, we created this incredible business. Yeah. That I, this was going to be, you know, my big cash cow and I was going to, you know, retire with all my <laughs> millions. Well, let's just say it didn't work out that way. Yeah. I mean, this was, that was a, you know, um, that's not what I expected. The only thing I will say, I, I have a hard time discerning, and I don't think it's my optimistic um, outlook, what is a failure? Because to me, there's not enough information at any moment. To, at this moment in time, it looks like a failure, but that's because I have a different expectation than what's in front of me. It doesn't match the reality. Um, but there isn't any of those that I can say have been a failure. It's the best thing that ever happened to me, not just for me. Yeah. RJE is now in... Cincinnati, probably Columbus, Louisville, Lexington, Indianapolis, exactly what that that business is worthy of. I would have never gotten it there. Um, And it was, you know, left it whole, intact. How can that be a bad thing? And without that, without those terrible things happening, I would have had these handcuffs to the money and to my ego and my identity because it's so hard to walk away. You know, I had to call my friends because I had this huge life. You know, I was on every board. Yeah. I chaired everything. I mean, you know, and I had to call and say, guess what? We can't go out to dinner. <laughs> yeah. Right? So don't, yeah. I'm just saying, I just know I love you. Yeah. And we're on hunker down mode. And I don't know if we're going to make it. Yeah. Or I don't know what, we'll make it. I just right. don't know what it's going to look like. But don't ask me to buy tickets to something. Don't, you know, calling up my board thing, saying I can't do that. Um, so, and just that that was my life and it was a you know a couple years of really just being like wow none of this stuff that i thought i couldn't live without matters li- nothing matters I, yeah. I mean so so the you know the downturn for for me and my husband personally mm-hmm. it wasn't as big because i mean we weren't making that much right. do you know what i mean we didn't right. have that much to right. lose and um i think and I can't speak for myself, but I think it was a really good reset. It was hard for a lot of people, but yes. a really good reset for people. I can't even tell you. And if that hadn't happened, then I have like this humongous, you know, million dollar house that yes. I now have to sell. Okay. Do you understand? Nobody wanted a big house. Nobody wanted a 7,000. Right. You, you know, when I bought it, it was like you got the most square footage for your dollar. Now yeah. everybody wants the wow, this is going to be a problem. So knowing that I had to get rid of this, it took me three years to get rid of it. So I, you know, and I will tell you, again, that demanded, because my, you know, I just want to go out and do something new, Mm -hmm. forget all this. And it kept me grounded to every day wake up resilient, doing what you need to do to unwind the business, to do the stuff that I don't feel like I want to do, because I still had obligations even after he took over, right? Sure, sure. Collecting money, and I had assets that I had to sell. Um, 
and cars and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I, nothing wrong with me going down to the car wash by Greyhound and selling a van. <laughs> Sure. Oh my That's God! Knowing you, though, you were like wheeling and dealing. I was with wheeling it. and dealing. Right, D- right, right there. There I am at the car wash. God, anybody want? And if yep. that hadn't happened, oh, it changed. My you life. wouldn't be changing the lives of the people oh, that you're coaching no today. There's no way. Like and at the all. humility that it brought. Yeah. Um. None of those, as I said, to me, none of these are failings. Now, I have had failings, but they would be failings. To me, failings of character, those are clear. Oh, talk about that. What does that mean? Well, just throughout your life when, and obviously, you know, I I feel like I, I, that is what I care the most about now. Yeah. But I was a, you know, a narcissistic, you know, all about me, egomaniacal person in many ways, you know, like many of us are really. Right. And like I said, like I identified with the, the business and my status. And I said, we were incredibly highly recognized. You know, Ernst and Young Entrepreneur, there weren't enough awards. Right. Hi, what, what, you know, I was just like, wow, I'm amazing. Oh, and I wasn't, right? And I just wasn't, not in the ways I care about now. Yeah. So I have had failings of character where I put my needs before, I'd follow through on a commitment, all kinds of ways. So the, the, I, the failures of I character, I'm, I'm clear about, but there isn't anything else that I can really say, wow, that was a failure. So, because we're all about failing forward, mm-hmm. right? It's Which is what I've done. The learning piece. Right. Yeah. But I, let's talk a little bit about that failings of character. Mm-hmm. I really That's something we've never really talked about. How do you reconcile or learn from that? Like, what did you do when those things happened? Well, at the time, when you do not have a lot of awareness, when you and, – and you really don't see your blind spots. You know, your brain will rationalize anything, anything you do. And you now have decided out of one pattern. You have this pattern that we know – it just became your default, yeah. you know, a, a pattern of thinking, feeling, and behaving. And we know on average 45% of your waking hours is spent in that pattern where we're doing one thing, thinking another. But, you know, that pattern that we created between 18 months and age seven. Really? At age Did seven. Did you say 45%? 45% is spent. Think about it. How long, often do you drive home? How to get here? You're in the shower, but you're really on ways. I right. mean, we're never here, <laughs> right? <laughs> We're like never yeah, here. Right. Um, so before you really know yourself and you can you can stop judging yourself, which is the hardest thing to do, and you can find understanding and acceptance around why you do what you do, you, you start seeing things. So before I had this really, I'll just say it's, a, it's really the system that transformed my life. This brain would make up any reason why I did it. It's because yeah. of this person or that person or that external thing or it, this is who I am. This is just how I am, right? So your brain will do that all day long um, until you start doing this kind of work where you're like, ooh, ooh. Yeah, I was thinking of me. Or like I said, fo- not following through on a commitment. Or oh, there's all kinds of things that I think you can really easily do and rationalize. Um, so help, what helps you create the awareness? Um, well, really the type. So it's almost like it provides you a map to see yourself. Okay. Um, I, I tell people when I'm coaching, I'm like, I'm the map maker, you're the journeyman. 
I will show you what your options are. And it's not what we do is we, we come, when we come into this world, we didn't come in with a type. We are one with all that. It, that's what we're so fascinated by small children, yeah, a two-year-old. Children are horribly expensive and time-consuming, but we're really, really crazy about them. Yeah. And I think we look in their eyes and we see who we were before we were socially conditioned. We, don't, we didn't come into the world with a separate sense of self. We were one with all that is. They, that's what consciousness looks like. They are, that is what present moment awareness Wait, looks like. that is the best description that that's I've exactly ever heard of it. consciousness. That's exactly it. Look at a two-year-old. That's what consciousness is. And they are here and they are now. There's no place else to be. And they are spontaneous and they're focused and they don't filter their emotions. Tell a two-year-old they can't have something. Not pretty. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what it looks like. But then when we go through that, you know, that two to four, when we go through that attachment phase, which is a really interesting part of our psychological development, right? And it determines our relationships moving forward to a great extent. We, at the attachment phase, we have to start separating from that caregiver so we don't have our needs met immediately. We don't have yeah. somebody to feed. So, and we start having unmet needs. So understanding type helps right. with that awareness Tremendously. Piece, right? And I know, I think you do meditation, don't I'm a you? I'm huge fan of meditation and most of my clients we don't start <laughs> i don't start off with that because they'll be like oh my god i don't have time for this um but i slowly bring them in um i've been doing actually tm mm. since i was 18 so you want to explain tm for those so that don't know TM it tm is uh, it's transcendental meditation it's a very specific unique process of meditating um, and they give you a mantra, they right? Give you a mantra. And then you just say that mantra over and over. <clears throat> is that wrong? Um, well, there, you know, there's so many. So what it is, it, it it's a commitment to 20 minutes twice a day. Okay. Um, and it is it is mantra based, um, but it's not kind of saying your mantra. It's more thinking your mantra. It's just, it's you hold this very lightly. Okay. Um, and you introduce it, and while you're doing that, things just the other things settle, and you're just kind of watching yourself. I can't believe that you have had your mantra since you were 18. Oh, absolutely. And you never tell anyone, and right. you have a teacher for life. But I. I believe but like, that how did this Catholic girl from Mount Carmel, Ohio, find somebody that does TM? Well, because it was then it was like the hot thing. I'm always about like, let's go try this. Right I mean, I've done that my whole life. Right. Whatever's hot and new, yeah. I'm going to go do it, and then I'll move on. You know, I'll master it to my terms. Master it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Which I'm means until I'm bored. And then I go find something else. Right. And it's all fun and exciting, right? Yes. So, yes. So that was something that but you, was but you introduced. That and really, it was introduced um, when the Beatles, you know, the Maharishi oh, right. came over with the Beatles. George Harrison. Remember, it's the deal. same person. Yeah. So okay. it is a very, um, It's. I think it's amazing. Okay. But there are many other forms of meditation. Okay. So understanding type and self, meditation or mm -hmm. TM. Mm-hmm. Anything else, tools uh, that you um, I recommend? I think it's a, for, well, in, in it, it's, it's, I live in my head, you know, as a, this is where I, I'm very comfortable. It's just think, 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 reframe, redo, what's next? Getting in your, finding a balance between your heart center and your gut center. Mm -hmm. Your heart, your heart, my heart was not really available to me. It's kind of like, it was always either at least under construction, if not road closed. Okay, tell us the difference between the heart and the gut. 
Um, so the, well, I'm saying you have three centers of intelligence, right. three ways that we take in information. So like so the heart is, is emotion. like emotion, feeling. Yes, all of that stuff. I always stuff. get confused though between the gut and the heart. So the gut, is it's your body. Like intuition or Yes, body. it's your instinct. No, it it's is your instinct. body, but it, okay. it's your instinct. It's that gut. It's that, what is what is this telling me? And the gut type has a... Um, uh, it's a, it's about movement and getting things done and momentum and those kind of things. But it's knowing kind of those, keeping those more in balance. Okay. Um, and I think physically taking care of yourself. You know, I'm every morning up at five and at uh, TRX or rowing. Yeah. Every day coming home meditating. That's what I needed as a as for me to keep myself very sane. Yes. Um, is a process to care for me. Because I'd be very self-forgetting um, and just push through things and um, um, just not sit and see what's really going on. It's mm-hmm. hard. I know. I've started seven, the meditation and it is hard. It is hard. And easier. now I look forward to it. I know. You and don't I've want it to stop. I've added it to before I go to bed. It's so lovely. It is lovely. You don't want it to stop. And every day isn't like that. And you don't judge it. It is no. what it is. It right. doesn't matter. When you're sitting for 20 minutes, that's perfect, right? Yeah. But we, you know, again, it's another, it's an easy thing to, to judge. But I just think, and I think, I think it, all this requires a lot of self-compassion, a lot of self-love. Um, you have to love yourself through a lot of it, and know. Um, I know. I knew even after my another failure. I mean, there's a thousand. Um, after after um, my husband left us, the kids and I, and um, to me it was, it was abandonment. As I know more, I said mm-hmm. it was nothing, but it it was it yeah. was complete abandonment. Um, I started having eating disorders for a long time. Really? Yeah, a lot of times eating disorders are they follow a traumatic situation where you feel like you don't have the resources to deal or to control or to con- so that is a you know and a lot of those things are about control yeah and it's a great way to really beat yourself up how did you get out of that it was long it was. and hard and there weren't a lot of resources then right uh dr woolley at uc was doing some and things. you probably get rewarded for looking so good oh, and skinny it's, right it's exactly right and then you live in the shame of if you really even knew me so, but again, yeah. do you see how that feeds into the seven? Yes. And just, God, I got to keep this up. I've right. Got, and everybody's saying, you're amazing. Look at how, look at what you've done. And you've raised these two boys. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, oh I no. suck. Right. And if you ever really knew. So it just becomes a shame cycle. Um, I really think, and I had, you know, uh, lots of, um, and you always just think it's going to, I'll tell you one good thing. Yeah. D- even in my coaching, when you have had an experience about a compulsion and addiction. Yes. There's nothing more humbling than that. Because it's mean, so easy to tell people whether it's drinking, shopping, yes. eating. Remember, do you know that you were the fir- one of the first people I texted after I stopped drinking? I do remember. Yeah. I do remember. I got to stop. Got to figure stop. it out. Gotta such a compulsion. Oh, For me, it was such a obsession of the mind. It's exactly right. I, it wasn't that I was boozing mm-hmm. every day. It's got your at attention. All. It's, is it I when? Just should I? Should about... I? Is this enough? Is this too yeah. much? What does this mean? I'll start a new program. I'm oh. gonna... And it just owns you. And it's the same thing with food. Right. I will eat. Oh, now that I have eaten, now what am I going to do? It's just, and it's just nothing more humiliating. Um, and I really, the, the thing that finally, yeah. but it was like eight years. It was a long time of having a secret. 
a long time. And I do remember one time um, after I was better telling my then husband, yeah. um, I said, I got to tell you something. And I told him, but of course I've only told him when I was a year of feeling good and yeah. not, who, let's change the subject. <laughs> really, it was just like, what, what? So it just, all of that stuff just reaffirms this. So you got to be there for yourself. And I have to, mm, you know, kind of validate myself. having I somebody else be there yeah. for you. But I think it was really me coming to the awareness that I could only get through this if I could figure out how to love myself. I can't shame myself out of it. I can't. Yeah. It really was, I'm not, I, I can't live like this. So I think there's something to this topic of about secrets. Mm-hmm. I think oh, people keep... A ton of secrets. So one one of the things that I do is um, I, not a daily inventory, but a couple yeah. days a week I'll do an inventory. And one of the questions that I have in there is, "Did you keep a secret?" Yeah. And it's not, "Did you somebody tell you something? Did you keep the secret?" It is, "Do you have a secret about yourself that exactly. you should tell somebody?" That's exactly right. And I, I mean, those secrets eat at you. They eat at you. And this, my secret, was the drinking. That's exactly right. And we trust me, we all everybody have has secrets. a secret. And once you start, I mean, the freedom that that gives you, yeah, is unbelievable. And I will tell you, I have clients. I think one of the one of the one of the reasons why um, I'm, I think I'm really good at what you I do. You are really good I know, at what you is do. Is people will say that I have clients that said, I tell my husband, my kids, if I'm not here anymore, it's because I'm. <laughs> I've got, I'll, I'll go to Denny. Denny would be the first person I'd go to. Yeah, because there is no judgment. She is completely vulnerable. She is completely not overexposure, right? I mean, sure. who wants that? Appropriate. I mean, yeah. it's very, right. very appropriate. And I think all of these things that we're calling, like I said, failures, but it's about moving. You know, it's the learning and the forward. I don't know. If you haven't failed, you are not living a good life. You have not risked enough. You have not done enough. You yeah. have played it way too safe. And I feel sorry for you. <laughs> I mean, I really do. Yeah. You've missed. Yeah. You have missed, um, but and so there isn't anybody that doesn't have those. And when it is, there's nothing more freeing when you no longer have secrets. When you decide that your issues are not out here, I tell everyone: if you're not the problem, there is no solution. You are the only one you can change. So take your eyeballs off of this. Yeah, everything comes in in a way that's curious and open and receptive. Why am I angry? Why is she already annoying me? I wonder if the person next to her said the same thing. Would I be annoyed? Hmm, maybe it's not that. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. What is it about me? Yeah. Because it's not the situation that is causing the, the the suffering of me. Why I'm being annoyed has nothing to do with oh, that. It's my response to course. it. Of course. Right? One hundred. Right. And these things are not that complex. And you have, what I was saying, the consciousness that God sent us here with, you have so much available to you. You have just habituated to a pattern. And then really because your brain, your brain takes 20 to 25% of your body's energy to manage. This is a, this is a high maintenance two and a half, three pound organ. Oh. So it just put it on autopilot. It became the default for a really good reason. Right. But it's, you started then limiting yourself because of that. It gave you a false sense of control. Oh, if I can just figure out who I am and who I'm not, what I'm, I'd like to do that. Oh, no, I'm kind of shy. I don't think I should do that. It gives you this fake sense of control. Mm-hmm. It's really quite brilliant. 
I mean, right. we need to do right. it. But when you understand that learning is remembering, and really the Enneagram maps out for you, you're a dominant type. You're not a type. You're not a number. You put yourself in this box. This gets you out of the box. Yes. The lines, it's not. It's a dynamic system. You forgot. You forgot what's available to you. Mm-hmm. And the Enneagram system helps you remember that. It's remember. It maps it out for you. Yeah. And then you work on saying, I'm going to remember this. I, this is all. I already actually do that. I just didn't know why I did that. So now you know why. So I didn't know you pre-Enneagram right. stuff. Um, but you've always, to me, been, you've always been confident in who you are. Like mm-hmm. you are, you live who you are. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean I by that? I have always done that. I will say You that have always it. done I've that. I've always done that. I always say I've never been in a room that I didn't belong. <laughs> I've never felt that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, I don't have a college education. I don't, like I said... Came from nothing, you know. My mom, she says she she said she had an eighth grade education. I think she might be lying about that. <laughs> I think she might be exaggerating. Um, all of that, right? Um, I do have my hairdresser's license. Oh Not my god, I forgot about that. Do not do not I forget forget about that. that. That's In case right. You do this have that. Whole corporate. You know what? I should have hired you at Blown. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? At the time, I probably could have used it. I mean, well, at the God. time, I could have used you, know, you like too. Tammy Wynette, right? You always right? need a little something to fall back on. Yeah, you got it. I know. I know. So, no, I've always been very, and I do think that's a great blessing. I've always been very comfortable with who I am. Yeah. Um, and I don't need to be, yeah. Well, yeah. I love you. I thank love you for you. being here today. Thank you. Thank you. You it's like really been my pleasure. Your strengths are such a gift to so many people. Mm, and thank you for doing this really important work, which you've always been thank about you. meaning and purpose. It's always been your driver. And yeah. that's another thing we share. Totally. I love you. Love you too. Thank you. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod.